last week I had a little little kid. He goes, how do you be men? <laughs> now we're in this series, Star Trek. Uh, we've been talking about parenting, and it's a new world. And the fact is that as parents, we're to boldly go where no generation has gone before. And uh, we keep, uh, keep bringing us kind of up to speed, but we've talked about the prime directive of parenting is to make God known. It's to make God known, and uh, that's to have precedence over everything that we do as parents. Every activity in our lives should orbit around those values that our kids know God. Number one priority. And I said it has to be number one because it impacts absolutely everything. It impacts how we live. It impacts how we make decisions. I believe it impacts the, how much we're going to experience joy and peace in this life. And most important, it impacts eternity. You know, last week we went Deep Space Nine and we talked about nine things that we need to focus on as parents. And uh, we actually looked at four of those. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few more of them today. But uh, we talked about building a force field around our kids. And talking about self-esteem is a type of force field that every child must know that they matter to you, that they matter to other people, and that they matter to God, that they, they understand that they are unique and that they are loved above all else. We also talked about enrolling our kids in Starfleet Academy, that I believe that we're to give them ample responsibility, again, age-appropriate responsibilities, challenges, opportunities, so that they can develop their skills, so that they can learn to fly and basically develop a kind of inner competence that allows them to see things through when it gets tough and that they're able to stand on their own when they face these challenges. Talked about developing their interface capabilities, that it is vital that we teach our children, we, we model for our kids healthy relational skills. And then we talked about preparing them for warp speed. And by that, we were talking about giving them godly values that gives them a spiritual foundation so they can navigate at a high rate of speed in in this life. And uh, as parents, that we've got to model those values and that we've got to walk closely enough with our kids that we're able to make these kind of uh, spiritual observations along the way. Uh, If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to download, go to our website. It'll give you info on that. Today, I want to look at three more. Of these, And today we're going shields up because we're going to talk about protecting the family and protecting our children. You know, shields up is going to require an enormous amount of energy on your part. It is an issue where you have to constantly be monitoring what's going on. You need very keen observation skills and you need godly wisdom along the way. And I'll I'll be blunt, it is very easy to go shields down. I mean, sometimes we get so busy with the routine of life, you know, work, paying the bills, maintaining the home, school, homework, you know, t-ball, soccer, ballet, dinner, baths, and we're so exhausted 
we let the shields down. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, he records a lot. If you read that, that book or, or that letter, you, you find that he talks a lot about the parent-child relationship. And he talks about the husband-wife relationship. And he concludes the letter on how, as Christians, we're to gear up for battle, that it's a war out there. He writes, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He goes on and, and writes and suggests that we put on armor, that we put on the armor of righteousness and truth, that we have a shield of faith, that we, we put on salvation in our life, and that we spend time in God's word. And that conceptually, if you read that part of, of Scripture, Paul's saying that our spiritual life, prepares us for life. It prepares us to be able to stand against the evil one and, and that the armor that we're to put on is actually designed to take on the evil one. And here's what I find interesting and surprising is that most families never take the time to study the opposition, to know when the attacks are going to come to know where they're going to come from or how they're going to be attacked. And if you look around at families today, friends, we are being invaded by alien forces and we're being defeated. Families are being broken. Either because there are no shields or we've got the wrong shields. We live in a new world. And parents... Today, you face new frontiers. And here's what I find interesting. The evil one is very methodical in his invasion. He's doing the same thing he's always done. I mean, his tactics may have changed, but the scheme's the same. The, the attack is unchanging, ultimately. I mean, he's methodical, he's calculated, and he's bent on destruction. He's doing what he's been doing since the beginning of time, and that is invading the family. You know, parents, when you, when you understand who the enemy is and how he's going to attack, I believe you can better prepare your family against that invasion. So here we go. Shields up today. The first shield of defense, protect the home station. And by that, I'm talking about protecting the home port, which is your marriage. You know, as your kids are running about, doing their thing, and they're in and out, a lot of times what happens is we neglect the marriage relationship. I mean, at least through the child-rearing years. I've heard that often from people. They're like, well, we're just not working on that right now. You know, it's, uh, heard one time a Sunday school teacher was getting ready to teach on marriage. And uh, so before she started, she said, uh, you know, before I begin, could anyone tell me what Jesus said about marriage? Little boy's hand shot up, and he said, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> it's so it's so true, 
it's so true. They uh, they they just uh, get get messed up, don't they? But we're setting we're setting the tone for for our for our children. You know, and I hope that when your kids look at your marriage, they don't say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Shields up in the home station. You know, when it comes to your marriage, you got to nurture it. You got to guard it. You got to protect it. And here's how the reasoning goes. Follow me here. The evil one knows if he can mess up the marriage, he can invade the family. And if he can mess up the family, he can invade the community or the city. And if he can mess up the city, he can invade the culture. And get this. When kids flourish, communities flourish. When communities flourish, cultures flourish. And when cultures flourish, they're flourishing because it all starts with marriages flourishing. See, I believe that the evil one despises husbands and wives that are communicating, that are connecting with one another, that that are working on their marriage. And he wants to invade and mess up that relationship because he knows that the kids, your children, grandchildren, they're taking their cues from you. I mean, that's how kids learn about commitment. It's how they learn about love. It's how they learn about trust. It's how they learn about conflict resolution. So so how do you go shields up in your marriage? Well, first thing, you got to activate your communicator. I mean, it it is widely documented. Men speak about 25,000 words a day. Women, 50,000. And it goes something like this. Guy gets home from work. He's used 24,997 words. He walks through the door and goes, Honey, I'm home. (laughs) 25,000. She has 25,000 words left. I'll say it nicely. To share with someone. (laughs) Surveys have shown that the average couple after they get married spend about 37 minutes a week talking to one another, communicating. See, we're talking about priorities here. I mean, do you remember when you were dating? You spent all kinds of time together. You wore out the communicator. True? If you didn't even have anything to say, you just breathed together. You know, share ideas, share dreams, secrets, struggles. You, you listened intently to one another. And after you get married, in sh- very short order, you quit talking. You quit sharing. You quit listening. And you only use the communicator when necessary. It's kind of on the run type thing. Hey, remember to pick up the kids, 315. 
I'm going to be late. I've got to stop by the store. Hey, Tommy needs a notebook for school. Would you, would you mind stopping and getting it for him? And friends, when you use the communicator sparingly, love dies. And just a little heads up, at some point, if you don't use it much, you walk in the kitchen one day and you go, who's the stranger in the house? Proverbs 13, 17 says, reliable communication permits progress. If you want to progress, activate the communicator. Carve out time. I've shared this before. It's Sweet 16. A guy told me years ago about this. And it's 16 minutes a day, just the two of you. Carve it out. Figure out at breakfast, lunch, uh, in the evening. But carve that out. It pays in high dividends. If you start doing that, I guarantee you, your marriage starts taking off. And watch what happens with the kids. Because I believe when kids see mom and dad connecting, it changes things. Something else you can do is uh, approve the treaty of uh, Nyctheron. That's the Greek word for 24-hour day. You know, every, every relationship hits bumps along the way, struggles. The fact is, you have to make a choice in your marriage. I mean, you can, you can either deal with things or you can let them build up. Neither let things go or hold grudges. You can either dig in or you can forgive. And what happens is too many marriages these days are into the grudge thing, into the unforgiving thing, and ultimately miss the bigger picture. I mean, this this treaty is a a pact to clear the air each day at the end of a 24-hour day. Paul said it this way, Ephesians 4, 26. He says, be angry. He says, it's okay. But do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know, in other words, that tension in a relationship, it seriously compromises the shield, that shield of protection in your family. Don't go to bed in that compromised state And there's something else you can do to strengthen the shield in your marriage. And that is arrange star dates. You know, once a week, just the two of you, I say this all the time, date like you did before you were married. You know, it's about connecting. It's about communicating. It's about romance. You know, I call them star dates because I believe if you date your spouse you start seeing stars again. You do things together. And when you're dating, it just changes things. Do you remember when you were dating? Do you remember those days? You know, you want to go antiquing? Let's play tennis. Let's go hiking. Let's go to the museum. And I know as I'm saying that, some of you are going, Well, well, we did that when we were dating. I didn't like doing that stuff. (laughs) I I just did it so I could be with him or with her. True? How many of you? All right. That's honest, but that's my point. 
Because it was about being with him. It was about being with her. It was about connecting. You know, now I would suggest that once you're married, figure out something you both like to do. And it sounds trite, but I believe it strengthens the shield in your family. Now, Ecclesiastes 9 says, life is short. And you love your wife. So enjoy being with her. That is why you're supposed to do as you struggle through life on this earth. Shields up. You need shields up in your marriage. Need shields up. Here we go. Number six, protect your kids. That's why you go shields up. You know, when I talk to young people, especially when they're dealing with problems, you know, or they're in trouble, so to speak, If I get to talk to them long enough and I can get them to open up, at some point they refer back to a very common action, having chosen bad friends or the wrong friends. I mean, almost without fail, they will say something like, I was hanging with so-and-so. They were doing this. So I started doing it. I've heard it over and over. My entire ministry. Mom. Dad. It starts on the home front. I mean, first of all, your children take their relational cues from you. You know, I would challenge you. Go through your relational portfolio. Think about who it is you associate with because your children are watching. They are learning what the friendship criteria is. And guess who they'll learn it from? From you. I mean, if you choose friends that have the same transcendent values that you have, there's a good chance your kids are going to follow suit. They're going to go, oh, that's what a friendship looks like. And that's why I'm always pressing on you to, to make your relational base, your, your main relational base, people that are Christians, that, are, that go to church, that practice their faith. Because I believe you up your chances that your kids will make friends with kids that are moving in the right direction. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know things can go south. But you up the chances Now, I guess I believe that you cannot ask your kids to do something you're not doing. You know, you can't ask them not to associate and hang out with ungodly people if that's what you're doing. You know, first evaluate. Evaluate your relationships. Walk the talk. Sync it up. And then shields up with your kids, okay? It's not shields up at their discretion. You know, sometimes you have to step in to your children. You have to say, you know what? You are not going out with so-and-so. You are not going to do such and such. You're not going to have so-and-so over to the house. You're not going to go over to their house. And then explain why. You know, we're not going to have that kind of relationship. Your mom and I don't have that kind of relationship 
you're not going to have that kind of relationship either. You know, they're, they're not honoring God. They are going to drag you down with them. They are going to keep you from being the person that God created you to be. And you have to start early. You have to start early. And what, here, here's what happens if you don't start early. As they get older, the issues get exponentially more critical. True? How many of you have teenagers? That's a true statement, isn't it? All of a sudden, things that didn't seem a big deal when they were in kindergarten become a big deal when they're upper junior high and high school. You can't wait till they're 16 to start working on this and go, okay, we'll start working on this now. And if you do not believe in the power of friendships, you know, take a read through uh, the story of Samson. You know, he's the he-man, you know, kind of the Hulk in the Old Testament. But he had a she weakness in his life. And God tapped him on the shoulder one day, and he was to be a great leader. His parents told him, don't hang out with the Philistines. It's an ungodly crew, off the charts in the way they live life. And Samson turned his back on what his parents suggested. And at an early age, he started running in the wrong crowd. And he ends up breaking just about everything. I mean, he, he broke God's principles. He broke God's will for, for his life. He messed up. I mean, it's one of the most tragic stories in the Old Testament. It's a story of what might have been. I mean, what happened? Well, his parents didn't go shields up. They didn't step in and say, you know what? This is not going to happen. You are not going to hang out in the Philistine neighborhoods. We're going to do whatever we've got to do, but it's a done deal. Sorry, son. I mean, they failed to hit the shield button. And friends, I see and hear and get to see this stuff in living color up close. And people say, my kid, my kid's in trouble. They're running with the wrong crowd. They're going to kill themselves. They're going to kill someone else. Parents, all, all I can say is save yourself. The pain. Save your child. Step in when they're young. Shields up. There's one more thing we have to do. Phaser your family intake. I believe the greatest weapon in the hands of the evil one is media. You know, recent studies found that the average kid spends, get this, five and a half hours a day taking media in. Now we're talking music, we're talking TV. We're talking internet when I'm talking about media, all, all of those things. Well, let's start with music. I want to take you down memory lane, at least memory lane for, for me. You know, think about, as I'm talking, your favorite band growing up. You know, was it the Beatles, Elvis, the Supreme, Sticks, Van Halen, Boston, U2, the Cars? I mean, according to what era... You're going, oh, yeah, that's the kind of music I listen to. 
I, I, did, I did a little research on this one. I spent about an hour. Now, I was digging through music of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, even the early 90s. And I was very, very hard-pressed to find music that glorified rape, robbery, assault, you know, uh, perverted sexual acts, murder. And I tried. I tried to find the stuff. And it just really wasn't there. But today, it is readily available. In fact, it is steadily growing in popularity. And I looked at some of the lyrics from mainline groups. I'm not talking some obscure group. Mainline groups, I'll be honest with you, it was disturbing. It was disturbing. You know, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry is sounding big alarms on this. And I find it interesting because, and I don't like terms, but very liberal organization. And they're going, this is getting out of hand. They, they, in their report, as I was reading it, they said that it was common for lyrics to glamorize rape, incest, prostitution, that it lifted up drugs and alcohol as okay, violence it glamorized, you know, uh, torture, killing, human sacrifice, and presented suicide as a good solution to life and dealing with your problems. May 14th issue of uh, the New York Times had an article called Under the Influence just out a few days ago. And uh, they said that the average teen spends two and a half hours listening to music. Okay, that's part of that five and a half hours that we were talking about, but two and a half of it's music. And they they take that media intake into their life. They tracked one media and one issue. And they took uh, that it glamorized drugs and alcohol. They said that a teen that listens to that one media, one issue, okay, we could lift up lots of other issues, will hear 80-plus microbytes a day saying drugs and alcohol are fine. Over 30,000 a year. One issue one type of media. Now add TV and and video intake to that. You know, U.S. News World Report did a a study, and they uh, basically monitored TV, the major networks, for a span of seven days. ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. And the data that they found was very startling. You know, uh, sexual acts and references, every four minutes, your child gets to see. They counted 50 crimes, 12 murders every hour. You know, premarital sex was portrayed eight to one compared to sex within the context of marriage. And how about movies? I mean, there are some good movies out. And there are some movies that are out to lunch. I mean, they're they're just bad. But even in the good movies, you have to look long and hard to find a movie that lifts up the kind of values that are talked about in Scripture. And the Internet, it's a buffet. 
It's a buffet. I mean, anything you want on demand. Influences, dangers on the Internet, off the charts, off the charts. Media, heavy influence. That's my point. And some of the music and some of the movies and some of the websites that our kids are gobbling up and ingesting is messing them up. It's messing them up. And friends, hear this. The evil one's laughing. He is laughing because he goes, that's exactly what I want. And I know anytime I talk on this topic, you know, parents uh, tend to be in a couple of categories. You know, some, some parents, they, they hear this, and so what they do is they get the phaser out and they go, and they just phaser everything that's secular. And then their thought is, if I just phaser it all, I won't have any problems. Well, the reality is, if you do an all-out assault on all media that's secular, you are likely to fire up your child's curiosity. They will want to go explore even more. And parents, this is just a warning. I've watched that one, and it plays out awful. It's ugly. Other, other parents, in fact, the majority of parents, they take the other stance. Hey, I made it through the 70s. I made it through the 80s. I made it through the 90s. It didn't affect me much. It didn't mess my mind up. My kids will be okay. Parents, strange new world. It is a strange new world. It is totally different. The alien invasion is directed at your kid's mind. And anyone that's willing to to take in this stuff, it's just messing them up. You know, Proverbs writes, says, be careful how you think. Read with me. Life is shaped by your thoughts. So how do you phaser media? How do you phase or media? Well, let's take the music front first. I'd suggest you sit down and however long it takes, listen to your kids' music. You know, get their iPod. Say, I'm going to borrow your iPod for the day. And just go through and write the groups down. Listen to the, the stuff. If you, and you may go, well, I don't have time to do it that way. Well, write the groups down. Write the names of the songs Get, get to the internet and search it. Basically, it's very easy to do. If you use Google, use internet to, your, your, to help you with this. Type the name of the song and then the word lyric after it, and you will get the lyrics to, to songs and read them and go, okay, does this, does this fit? Don't be afraid to pull the phaser out and go, not happening. You know? Just listen to it. But you get, it takes time. It takes time. And I know the objection you're going to hear. They'll go, well, I just listened to the beat. Right? Because that's what we tried to do. Words don't matter. It won't mess up my mind. I mean, 
you may be thinking, as a parent, you go, well, it's just music. It's not worth the fight. It's not that powerful. It's not a big deal. Well, friends, you listen to a song 25 times, 50 times, 100 times. I beg to differ on that one. Same's true on the music front or on the movie front. You know, you've got to phaser some things out. You know, in the internet, because everything's available, that's an area it requires a monitoring and a phasering on a regular basis, almost a daily basis. You know, there, there's great software to, to help you uh, filter and, and block out sites. Uh, you can set some limits within your web browser, like if you got Explorer or, you know, whatever it is you search with, there are options there that you can begin to, to block some. You can purchase software. You know, Cyber Patrol, Net Nanny, you know, Safe Eyes. There, there are lots of good pieces of software. But even if you do all that stuff, place the computer that has internet access in the public place in your home, where it's easy to monitor, where it's much more difficult to go places you shouldn't. And before you give your child access, at whatever age they are, but before you give them access, I suggest you sit down and talk with them. And this isn't negotiating with them. This is sitting down, talking to them, and basically saying, here's the deal. You get to use the Internet. It's here. We may put time limits on it and all that, but it's here for you to use. But know that from time to time... I'm going to take a look. I'm going to take a look at your social social network page, you know, your Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm going to look at your browsing habits. And then do it. Now, I know young people are probably going crazy right now going, are you kidding me? And I know... One of the things they'll jump to immediately go, you're spying on me. That's why you talk to them up front. Let them know, I'm not spying on you. I'm doing what I told you I was going to do. You know, you have to set limits. You know, there, there are all kinds of things that you need to do on, on this front. You know, the, the fact is that uh, as they get older, it changes according to their ages. You know, but there are things you need to do just to keep your kids safe. I'm not even talking from a spiritual point of view, but just to keep them safe. You know, like not posting personal information, uh, not sharing passwords with, with people, uh, not meeting people they met on online, uh, not posting pictures of themselves. You know, and, and as they get older, first of all, young ones shouldn't be posting pictures anyway. But as they get older and they're doing that, there there are things they just don't think about, like posting a picture of themselves with their school shirt on, you know, or things that can identify where they live or where they frequent. And I could spend all morning just on this topic. A a couple of great resources I'm going to lift up to you. Um, Protectyourkids.com 
is a good resource. Protectkids.com and focusonthefamily.com both have tons of articles just on this particular area. These are things parents should know so that they can keep their kids safe. All right? And I've heard parents say, they'll say to me things like, well, I just don't understand the technology. You know, what, what am I to do? Don't ever come up and say that to me. If you have, you, you know my response. Learn. If you care about your kids, you're going to learn the technology. Take a class, study, hire somebody to teach you, whatever you've got to do, but learn it. Learn it. Real quick, five things that I believe, no matter what the media is, that you need to, to put into place. One, get in your child's world. Get in their media world. You need to understand it. You need to know it. You need to know what's happening there. Two, make sure it squares with God's word, with scripture. If you run across something that doesn't, use it as a teaching moment. You know, teach your children God's perspective on that. And this will help you with the third thing you need to do as parents, and that is you need to set parameters. What's in and what's out. And this is not based on personal preferences or styles, okay? I love it when parents come up and they go, my kid listens to that awful rap music. You know, just tell them they need to listen to country. And I'm thinking, I've heard some pretty bad country songs too. You know, they, I don't care if it's rap. I lie. There's some good rap out there. But find stuff that fits within the parameters. Now, if you make style the parameter, and I know parents do sometimes, I'll just tell you, you're destined to fail on that one. It needs to be parameters based on God's word. You know, the WWJD concept. You know, what would Jesus listen to? What would Jesus watch? You know, what would Jesus read? You know, where would Jesus surf on the net? What would Jesus do? You know, maybe develop a uh, family covenant in, in this particular area of, you know, a, a covenant uh, for godly media choices. Work on it together. Sit down. Work on it together. And when, when you've put it together, you know, everybody sign off and say, yeah, that's right. We're going to do this. And then you have to do the same on your end. You know, Philippians 4.8, this is a good uh, foundation passage for, for following this. But it says, finally, beloved, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's a pretty good foundation. Here's a fourth piece. Teach your kids how to think. Teach your kids how to make a read, how to make a call on a song, on a movie, on a show, on a book, on a website. You know, I remember Stacy uh, was about fourth, fifth grade. And when I share stories with you, no, I did plenty of stumbling as a parent, okay? Uh, there are lots of things. I could spend days up here, things I really messed up and did wrong. But the, the, one, the ones that stick 
and you go, ah, I did, that was a good move as a parent. This was one of them. I remember uh, she came home one day from school and she'd want a CD. And we did what we always did in our house. And I was uh, like, hmm, not familiar with this group. Let's take a listen. And so I'd listen through and I love music. And so we listened to the music and kind of reviewed it and we talked about it. And uh, I remember asking her, well, how's that fit with God's value? And when all was said and done, I ended up, I said, honey, which songs can you listen to on this? She goes, well, dad, and it was three or four of the songs. And so I said, so what are we going to do? She said, I don't know. And so that night, went to bed. Next day, she took the CD back to school, and she exchanged it. You know, and I, as I remember, it was like New Kids on the Block or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's awful. Uh, but the music was good. <laughs> but, you know, don't miss what I'm saying, okay? Teach your kids how to think on issues. But do not allow them to make the wrong choice. And I'm going to say this as kindly as I can. Because I know anytime I talk on this topic, some parents kind of push back at me. And they go, but all the kids are doing it. All the kids are listening to it. All the kids are watching it. You know, first of all, that's not true. Secondly, you will not stand before God and give an account of what everybody else's kids did in life and were allowed to do. But you will stand before God someday. And you will give an account of what you put in front of the eyes of your child, in the heart of your child, and in the mind of your child. Parents, shields up. Phasers, locked and loaded. Parenting is not a popularity contest. It's okay to say no. We are not called to be our child's best friend. We're called to help them grow up to be the best person that they can be, to be the most godly person that they can be. And the fifth piece of this, model, 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 wise media choices. You have to do that. This is not, you will do as I say. This is, you will do as I say, and you will do as I do. Hypocrisy will undermine. It will undermine you as a parent. You know, what you're trying to communicate, your child's watching. They're watching you. They watch everything you do. Now, next week, I'll hit the last two pieces in this Deep Space Nine, and uh, it is uh, a complicated topic. That's why we're kind of setting it aside for its own session, but we're going to talk about discipline, you know, and it's tough sometimes. One, I hope parents, you'll take time, sign up for the parenting class. You know, it's, we learn about all kinds of things 
But some reason we think, oh, I'll just trip and stumble through parenting. I hope you'll take advantage of that. There's been a lot of hard work. Uh, uh, Cindy and uh, David are going to be leading that and uh, have been doing a lot of studying and preparing for that. So I hope you'll hope you'll sign up. Communion. Following the service, we're gonna we're gonna stand for a word of prayer. And during the music, if you need to cruise, just go ahead and. Uh, uh, those that are staying, uh, we'll, we'll celebrate in communion. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our gracious God, we praise you. God, we thank you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. And God, I pray that you would be with all of our parents. God, that you would um, give them the courage and the strength to keep the shields up. And God, I know that those times we trip and stumble, that we struggle. If we just seek you out, seek your face, seek your wisdom, that you'll help us along the way. God, I thank you for all the young people, all of our children, all of our babies that you've entrusted us with. God, I pray when we stand before you, whether we're standing as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, maybe just a neighbor. God, I pray that we rise, that we rise up and we stand strong, and that we protect that that you've entrusted us with. God, we thank you for the wonderful way you've created, fearfully and wonderfully. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said.